Hey, everybody. Just wanted to let you know that the book Provoked by Juan Galloway is now available for pre-order. Provoked tells you how to love people relentlessly and do beautiful works that make you and others come alive. You can pre-order the book today at newyorkcityrelief.org slash provoked. If you do pre-order today, we will email you chapter one of the book. Half the proceeds go to help our friends who are struggling with homelessness, so help us out and pre-order today. Once again, www.newyorkcityrelief.org slash provoked. Thanks. In a world that needs something to read, that will lead them into bold new horizons, a new book emerges. Provoke. How to love people relentlessly, doing beautiful works that make you and others come alive by Juan Galloway. It's a book so daring that it demands to have its own podcast. Hosted by Juan Galloway, President and CEO, and Alec Goebel, Outreach Leader of New York City Relief. A mobile outreach to people experiencing homelessness. Turn up the volume, open your mind, and prepare to be provoked. provoked. He sounds like a Maxwell House commercial. <laughs> That's a good cup of joe. All right. <laughs> Craig and I are, we've been drinking coffee, so we're a little wired up. Yeah. And we're out in the barn uh, recording the Provoked podcast. And it's 19 degrees out, according to Siri. It is cold out there. Just walking from my house to the barn was like, oh, <laughs> it's, a bit frigid. Yep. it's cold, man. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm glad to be inside where it's warm, warmer anyway. And uh, enjoying a cup of coffee with you. Yep. Get to hanging out with my buddy. Nice and hot. And uh, coffee. Yes. Right. Well, uh, you know. Yeah. Okay. Upset. Yeah. Uh, anyway, here we are. We're talking chapter three. <laughs> we have provoked. We're talking about my book. Um, we're on chapter three. <clears throat> and this, this chapter is titled Provoked to Intimacy. Oh, yeah. Which sounds pretty scary to a lot of guys. Yes. You know? It does. It's intimidating. Um, yes. It does sound intimidating. Um, in fact, you know, I kick off, I think, the chapter by talking about um, how sometimes we wash people's feet on the streets. Yeah. And um, honestly, Powerful. yeah. In fact, this happened to me, Craig, literally. This guy who's a friend of mine, Josh Chambers, he said, hey, Juan, I want to come out on the bus and like, you know how you guys wash people's feet? And I looked at him like, we do? I, I, I didn't know we had done that. And I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Like when he <laughs> said it, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. I was like, let me talk to my team because maybe, you know, we got to get stuff together. Right. Sure enough, I went to Johanna and she goes, yeah, we've done that before, but we have to bring out the hot water and the, the, ba- the ba- basins or whatever. I was like, yeah. let's, the guy wants to do it. She's like, yeah, we can do it. I she was like, how to do it. It was awesome, right? She knew everything you needed. Yeah, so then she told me later, like, how it went or whatever, and she said people would walk by, and they would just look, not even knowing us, not knowing who we are, what we're doing. They'd say, hey, it's like Jesus, right? And I was like, wow. Wow. That was What an impression that Jesus left. Yeah, and I think... 2,000 plus years ago. Right. We're still doing it, and people get it immediately like that. And, and, and And the reason we do it is... Of course, it's a humbling thing to honor somebody, but it's also an intimate thing. And I think yeah. that's why people don't do it, that kind of stuff. I'm not a touchy-feely guy. Are you? 
No, not too much. Like, I don't go around hugging everybody and all that, yeah. you know. I certainly don't go around letting them touch my feet. Oh, you know see, see, you yeah. probably wouldn't think that naturally. That's like, right. hey, I know there's yeah. a stranger. Why don't you wash my feet? Right. No, because it's an intimate act. Right. And we have to warm up to something that's kind of like that. So anyway, yeah. So this chapter is about if we're going to follow Jesus, he's provoking us not only to love people, but to be intimate with them, because that's what love really is. It's being really close, being real. Right. 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 Hey, did you, uh, did we tell people who we are? I can't remember. I think uh, I, I, I was just, enjoying this coffee so much. Yeah, I was so wired I'm up. I still enjoying it. I was so wired up on that Cuban Bustello coffee. I didn't say. My name's Juan Galloway. And I'm Alec Goebel. And here we are on Provoked. And people will wonder why you've called me Craig. Oh, yes. But they have to go back to the previous podcast. Yes. Episode episode three, where we talk chapter two. Yeah, (laughs) that's confusing. Anyway, we did explain it, so that's good. Episode, yeah, chapter two, episode three. Hmm. Yeah, so there's this saying in Alcoholics. Saga continues. (laughs) There's this saying in Alcoholics Anonymous, which I learned. I've never been an alcoholic, but I've had that in my family and stuff. But um, they say you are only as sick as the secrets that you keep. Is that heavy? Yeah. So I, if you are sick, I did not know about that. If but I thought that was profound. Yeah, if you're sick at all, like kind of emotionally, let's say, if I am kind of, you know, bound up in any way, right. it's only to the degree that I'm not letting others in. I'm not opening up my life. I'm not letting intimacy happen and right. being vulnerable so that this stuff can be dealt with and healed. And right? it intrigues me too that that is so that that they look at that so readily as the mm-hmm. solution. The solution is others. You know what I mean? Like being transparent. That's the whole AA thing. Front. Have you yeah. ever been to an AA meeting? Um, not an AA specifically. But something like a 12-step. Yeah, I've been to... Uh, when did you do that? I want to say it was over 10 years ago, and I was invited to celebrate recovery. Yes. Which is a program that's a really good program. It's hosted right. by a lot of churches. Right. And and they did. They went through a, a point... Um, in the beginning where there were introductions and mm-hmm. they would call on me to speak sometimes. Oh, really? You know, oh, they would encourage me to speak. Okay. And I was actually looking back on that quite a bit different the way that I felt than I feel now yeah. about that. I, I have to say that. Made you a little nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Got to talk in front of all these people I don't know. I was very guarded. Right. I remember that. Mm. And, um, and everybody there was very open. They understood the value of that. And I think that I've only really come uh, to understand the value of that more, mm. I guess you'd say more recently. I mean, it's been it's been years. I think maybe I understood. No, I, I wouldn't say I understood it. I think maybe I acknowledged it in principle. But right. I didn't <laughs> like really. Like all things, right? Right. Yeah. Like I agree with things. that. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. You know, but I, I didn't really see um, how that principle could be effective in my life. And I... I have to say that God is still working on me with that one. And yeah. that, that goes back to a little bit of what we talked about before, too, um, in our last podcast where we talked about some of the fears and the insecurities yeah. that um, that have uh, plagued us for years and, and things that were kind of rooted in growing up. But I will say that, again, you know, and I, I talked a little bit about this the last podcast too about how you know God has really been breaking you know setting me free like almost like breaking this box yeah. that I've been locked into. I understand much more now being with New York City Relief 
these last few years, just how much more valuable that is to be able to open up to people. Yeah. Um, and it is a biblical principle, right? You know, bringing things into the light. Speak the truth in love. Yeah, speak the truth in not, love. Not the fake. Speak the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and that sounds, that kind of sounds hard. That's, uh, mm. that can be a little bit confusing, you know. Especially if you didn't, people. especially if you didn't grow up that way where it wasn't safe. Yeah. To be real, like you might be put down or cut down. I went to a, um, a, a type meeting like you. It was a Christian one called yeah. Overcomers Outreach. And my mind was blown. Like I went into this meeting because I wanted to learn about mm-hmm. how to help people. What are they going through? How do they get free? And so these people who were strangers to me, they got up in front of the group. They shared more raw, truthful, like their stuff, their worst stuff. Yeah. But they had hope. So they could be fully vulnerable and fully say, but I'm trusting God. And it, it, it moved me because it wasn't like light stuff. Oh, no. This was like I've ruined my marriage. I, I, I gave yeah. in the other day. I drank. You know, I blew it. I, I right. lost my job. I'm in debt. You know, my life's a total disaster. But God is for me and I'm trusting him. And I was like, oh, my gosh. To me, I was like, I, you know, it made me want to cry. I was just like so impacted by the honesty of these people and it made me i've thought this to this day that was more church than churches yeah like that's the way it's supposed to be i felt the power of their like they got intimate with Mm -hmm. me a stranger in the whole group and i was moved i was changed i was uplifted and it, it helped me to be real and honest with people yeah it was awesome if we could get a hold of that in the church i mean and i i know that there's there's a lot of progress in that area with with different churches and so on right but i mean i think i think as the body of christ if we can really get a hold of that level of intimacy that openness that honesty right you know i mean i think that just exceedingly powerful transformation can happen well, we all wear masks sometimes you know yeah. and i when i talk about the church i don't mean oh we the church i you and me sometimes. we're the church <laughs> yeah. wait what are you quoting <laughs> the mask the mask jim carrey the mask. Uh, okay I've not seen that for a while. It's funny. It's it was a my, funny movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. I'll think Crazy. I've got to watch know, that. Says something about me. See if that's on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, we all wear masks. Got it on DVD if you want to borrow it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank or you. Or Blu-ray. Maybe it's a Blu-ray. Oh, I Keep don't have better a better resolution. Oh, that's true. I'll have to look and <laughs> think about that. Yeah, so there's a good spiritual movie, Very The Mask. Yeah. yeah, we can learn from that. Um, you said something a moment ago. What was it? You were talking about... Uh, Oh, it jogged my memory. Okay, so I told you about being invited to celebrate recovery. Right. And it was a friend of mine named Brandon, and it was the same thing with him. He was a, he was very open and honest with me about just raw details. His wife too, his wife Brenda, and um, I have to say that the one one key thing about them they they talked to me at a time when I was I was going through just immense difficulty in my life, just. A lot of pain. I was experiencing, you know, breakup of my first marriage, mm. and it was just—it was a horribly painful time for me. Mm-hmm. And they invited me to celebrate recovery, although I wasn't struggling with like a substance addiction or right. something like that. Um, but I sat down and I marveled at everybody there, and, and you know, for the same reason, like the openness and the honesty. And um, later on, like I—I I, I just remember that I sat with them when I was just, I don't know, I was on the edge. I just, I felt horrible mm. and I talked and I talked with them and they had, 
they had had that same level of honesty and openness. And what it really caused me to understand is that I could trust them and yeah. I could trust them without being judged. Yeah. And that was huge. I mean, that kind of, that yeah. kind of grace. And so that really did open the door for, for intimacy. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's, that's a, a hugely transformative thing. They became a safe place for you. A safe place. Where yeah. you knew you didn't and have to. That was to. not what I was used to. Yeah. yeah. I, it's, it's so powerful. And I think that's why I wrote this chapter. It's like, you, God, God is all about intimacy. I mean, he literally says, um, he said, I have given them us the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Mm-hmm. So you don't get any closer complete than being unity. one. <laughs> right. Yes. That That's why be. when you get married, the Bible says you become one flesh, right? You become right. one and that person. And we often talk about intimacy with reference to a marital relationship. Right. 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 And it's a place where I think the why it's the most powerful relationship you can ever have is because you become one and you share yeah. everything. They know my wife, Tracy, knows all my bad sides. She's seen it, heard it, smelled it. She knows <laughs> my bad sides. Right. And right. yet she loves me unconditionally. And I feel the same way about her. I've known every silly thing she's ever done. You know what? I love her to death. None of it affects the way I feel about her. If she blows something, does something bad or terrible, it doesn't matter. Like I love her to death. Nothing Mm -hmm. can ever change that. And so that's why there's that power. That's why it's so strong is that it doesn't matter what happens to me in life, Craig. If I I, I make a dumb mistake at work, I look foolish, I lose some money. I don't know. Whatever silly thing I could do, it's like, it's okay. My wife and kids, I can go home. And everything's going to be fine. They love me. You know, I yeah. may, I may kind of be down on myself Safe right place, now. Yeah. Other people may be down on me. Who knows? But that's always the place I can go. And yet God wants to make that place for all of us. And I think beyond just our marriage and our kids. And I guess that's what I write about is that, yeah, everybody's got that who gets married. And, but he actually wants us to let more people in than just yeah. our immediate family. Right. Well, you know what? I mean, that's not promoted in culture. And I, I know that's. Mm. That's a matter Good of fact, point. but I mean, even, even in, even in marriage, apart from good godly counsel, right? That that's not promoted. Like uh, people often enter a relationship for what the other can do for them. Yeah. And then they're hesitant to be transparent. There's a lot that people hide from one another and they think them, they think to themselves, I cannot let that person know what a failure that I am, you know? Right. And so that's uh that just is a that's a place of suffering really hmm. not a place of intimacy yeah so here's here's where i've grown okay working at new york city relief now for 14 years or whatever it pushed me out of myself to engage with people who i thought were very different from me turns out not so much yeah. and it really made me come alive um to have m- more opportunities it kind of pushed me out of my shell, to be honest, because I'm a homebody. I'm a kind of a introverted person. But to get out there and, and really get to know people on, on purpose, like I'm there on a mission, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to really get to know folks and try to go deep. And I think that re- that was what's very unique about our, our, our ministry, our organization. Right. It's the culture, our culture. When we're out there getting to know people, we're not trying to go shallow. No, yeah. no, no. 
We're going as deep as people will allow us so that they, we're trying to give them a safe place. Like I, may, I know ma'am, maybe everything else is going wrong, but when you come here, we like you. Yeah. That's favor, right? We, we, we like you just the way you are. Right. Whether you spent 25 years in prison for right. God knows what, right. you know, or you're still dealing drugs out here on the street, you're still in a gang, you're in prostitution. Whatever. Yeah, like, you're, you're addicted, things yeah. that push the society away. God cares about you and he wants you to be close to him. And so we're going to set that up by yeah. trying to be close to you. I, <clears throat> I, I try this a lot with our friends on the street. Mm. Um, and I remember one specifically just yesterday where I looked at a man who was standing in the soup line and you can kind of see it on some people that it's a weight, that mm-hmm. burden of shame, you know? And I, um, I made an effort to engage him and he, his first response was almost like that response where, are you talking to me? Like he kind of turned his head a little bit. Like he couldn't like believe he it. was going to look who's, to see, am I talking to the guys? Who's this the guy crazy white guy with the long red hair talking <laughs> to me? And I made a point to look at him directly in the eyes to make eye contact, to smile at him, ask him how he was doing. Mm. And it took him a second. He almost stuttered, you know, as though he hasn't spoken to another human being for a long time. Mm. That's kind of heartbreaking to me, you know, but he stuttered and he was like, Oh, uh, I'm doing okay. You know? And, and he kind of started to crack a smile and, um, you know, he didn't look presentable. He looked a little intimidating. I've got to be honest. Yeah. You know, he definitely was, uh, his hygiene was suffering, you know, <laughs> and I'm just saying like, happens to all of us, <laughs> you know, and it was just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, it's amazing to try to try to break through some of that a little bit. Yeah. And so I just told him, I said, you know, my name's Alec. I introduced myself to him and I let him know. I said, I'm, I'm here, you know, on staff with the bus. Mm-hmm. Please don't hesitate to come grab me if you need anything. You know, and he was like, well, all right, all right. And I could see, I could see that that burden began to lift mm-hmm. from him. And that's just an amazing thing. And, um, yeah, just, uh, one of those things. Don't totally know where I was going with that now. <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me... More coffee. <sighs> there we go. Fuel the brain. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, you, I mean, you were, you were purposefully, intentionally, proactively, trying to come close to a man right. who you could see was isolated alone, maybe needed a friend. And that's what Jesus did for us. Yeah. And I remember this story uh, from a couple of years ago. One of our interns, her name is Megan Coleman from Indiana. Oh, yeah. She's great. I know she, Megan. Yeah. And she's just got so much positive energy. <laughs> I love to be around her. Anyway, yeah, she is awesome. She was a great intern and she told this story Uh, about a man that came to volunteer on the relief bus on one of our outreaches with New York City Relief. And he he posted something that he was was a self-proclaimed atheist. Okay, fine. We don't care. Mm -hmm. We'll let anybody volunteer. Everybody's welcome. Just love people. Treat people well. And he, he was into it. So he had volunteered before. But here's what he posted this day on Facebook. He said, I actually prayed today for the first time in about five years. Not for myself, but for the people in the South Bronx. I prayed from within and felt a rush each time I wished for the betterment of each individual, 
hmm, I wonder what that rush was. <laughs> <laughs> I prayed. So he says, these people who are homeless. Power. Yeah. He said, these people who are homeless and in great need have wonderful hearts. See, that, that's, that's, mm. that's spiritual insight that he got from, from serving and doing the work of God. He said, their willingness to care for one another amazes me. Today, I was a recipient of that. Maria, a woman I talk to frequently while here, heard me mention I wanted a coffee. She offered to get me one, and I declined. Later, as she was leaving, she insisted on me taking a $5 bill she was offering. We went back and forth, me declining, her insisting. Finally, I accepted it as it was obvious she was adamant. This action left me without words. Someone who is coming for help was willing to sacrifice on my behalf. Makes me think about what I'm sacrificing on behalf of others. Now, this is mind-blowing to me because here's this self-proclaimed atheist praying and he feels the presence of God. Mm -hmm. doesn't know how to say it or if that's what it is. But he got basically sucked into our culture that we've been creating the atmosphere of love, of intimacy, where that's what friends do for each other. I've bought you a coffee before, right? That's right. Uh, Many times. Because you're my pal. Of course I'm going to. The coffee I'm drinking right now (laughs) was supplied by you. That's right. You didn't have to ask me. I'm like, my bud's here. I got to get him coffee. She just felt the same way. Even though she's living on the streets, (laughs) she's like, she felt intimate. She felt close enough to him because he had been her friend. And that's what friends do. I mean, that's transformation. Yeah, it is. That's what intimacy, that's what love, that's what it's all about. And it. It falls in line perfectly with the title of the book, Provoked. Mm. And literally, he was provoked to love yeah. by serving. In fact, he even said, you know, I found myself wondering, like, something, I, I can't remember exactly the quote, but what am I doing on behalf of others, you know? Right. And that's what love is all about. It's, on the, it's, you know, on behalf of others. Yeah, and he came there to minister to her, help her. He didn't call it minister, but help her, right? Right. right. But she helped him. He came to feed her. She fed him. I mean, do you see? That is totally the dynamic that Jesus has in mind. And that's how we try to live. We don't try to come as like, we've got all the answers. Here, we're the Christians. We're the white people with all the money. Here, we're going to come. That's ridiculous. We're just coming as like, hey, we're just people, right? Right. We all have our problems. You know, we're all addicted to something. Me to coffee. You to heroin. Hey, you know, we need God's help. Okay. We We even talked about. How we were addicted. I mean, you could say that, right? Addicted to our fears and our insecurities. Addicted to myself. And, and it's sort of like, yeah, it was a cycle of self-indulgence, you know? Exactly. And so here this man was impacted by Whatever the Holy Spirit yeah. through this woman named uh, Maria, I think I said, or Marie. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is what, this is my dream of yeah. what I want to see happen when we go out on the streets is that people get caught up in love. They get caught yeah. up in, in intimacy and vulnerability and being real and helping one another. Yeah. It's awesome. And you know, it's all about lifting Jesus up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that if you lift me up, I will draw all unto me. And <clears throat> I, I just remembered a story too. Um, there, there was a man that I had spoken to in Harlem and he had recently been released from prison. He had been incarcerated for uh, over 20 years. Um, I think it was even more like 25. And there was like maybe a small break in that period of time. And I was thinking like, I mean, basically for um, 
more than half his life mm-hmm. he was incarcerated and it all started when he was uh <clears throat> when he was a kid at some point i don't remember everything about his story but mm-hmm. at some point for whatever reason his mother would beat on him like severely mm-hmm. like she would take like bats and things like that and beat on him and um he really loved to play basketball as a child and he remembers that that you know she would hit him in the legs and around the knees and it would affect his ability to run on the court and he wow. was he was ashamed of it so like when the other kids were wearing shorts and stuff he would wear pants like even in the summer right. to try to cover up the bruising and the swelling you know and um he always wondered like why is she, why is she why was why is she beating on me and he had a younger brother he said and like she would never lay a hand on him like for whatever reason she would never touch the other brother but she beat on him so by comparison you know he he realized that he was taking you know the brunt of her animosity and this affected him it turned him violent and he said as soon as he was I want to say it was 14 or 15 it was still pretty young he was like forget it I'm out of here he figured I can take care of myself on the streets I'm out of here and he left home he wow. left his mother his family wow he got out on the streets life in the streets engulfed him you know it started out there was like you know he he wanted the attention from girls mm-hmm. so he would start using crack he would start dealing it and all that stuff and eventually it landed him in prison at a young age and he said like he like people around him it was, it was so tense like he couldn't be around you know for all the abuse he had suffered he couldn't right. be around like a crowd of people he's like maybe one or two people or you know but if there was like three people and I felt them kind of like around me, right. he would start to get really amped up and he would blow, you know, and he like started a, like a PTSD kind of thing yeah. because of the abuse and trauma. Exactly. Uh, okay. And he would start, he, he got, he would get in a lot of fights. He would start beating on people and things like that. And he said, mm-hmm. I kid you not. He said every time that I would be like beating on somebody, I would see my mother's face. Like he said, I never laid a hand on my mother. I would, I just wouldn't dare do that. But yeah. like, somebody would set me off and it didn't take much and I would beat on them and I would see my mother's face Mm. like in their face and he ended up in prison and um, what was interesting about this is that as we're talking about this you know face to face we're inside the bus in the office and he's just unloading these things that have been weighing on his heart he's like you know I I never talk about this he's like "I, I, I don't ever talk about this I don't even know why I'm telling you this now you know and this is like this is just I've come to believe that this is what the Holy Spirit does when you lift up Jesus. And you were talking about one of the things that we don't ever want to lose, right? It's This is a key a key aspect of the culture of our organization is, you know, because there's other organizations that feed people, you know, or are bringing food. But when we go in there, we want to get deep. We want to get intimate with people. You know, we want to allow them that space. And I think because we're willing to do that, and because we go in and we're asking Jesus, like, you know, Lord, fill us with your love and let us just love people and unreservedly, no matter where they're coming from. I think because of that, he honors that. He is lifted up. And when yeah. that happens, like the spirit moves and it brings people to this point of confession and intimacy that otherwise wouldn't take place. You know, I, I was reading the paper this morning and somebody wrote an op-ed, like a personal, it wasn't an, a journalist, it was a reader, but it was somebody used to be in one of the mayor's administrations in New York City and he he quoted some study that the mayor had done that said only 10% of people could ever 
they were experiencing homelessness could ever change significantly. Like only 10% were, could, could you do anything about? And I was like, mm. that is a lie. Yeah. I was reading it. It made me angry. I'm like, it's perpetuating. Hopelessness. Wow. You just, you just put that in front of millions of people. <clears throat> what you think is true. Right. Which I know is a lie. Um, but I can, I understand it, it's daunting. The issue there's 70 something thousand homeless uh, people experiencing homelessness in New York, right? right? It's daunting, it's hard, and it, it's just, but that was a lie. In fact, the majority of the homeless population now, it's parents with children in New York. Y- you think those kids, they, they can't be significantly helped and change their life, you know? So he's saying things that are so like ridiculous, but mm-hmm. even for the most hardened person, like you're describing someone that I'm sure our listener thinks of as a hardened criminal, yeah. 25 years in prison, you know, they could never change. And yet when he talked to you, he said things he would never say. Why? Right. You loved him. You treated him like a friend. You gave him a quiet space, a safe space, mm-hmm. privacy, so he could share his heart. That is the key to transformation. Mm-hmm. It's intimacy. Why? Mm-hmm. Because intimacy is how, lo- that's how love is done. Love is yeah. not shallow. Love is not from a distance. Transforming love looks like intimacy. And where I'm being provoked to be intimate with people. One of our um, teammates at New York City mm-hmm. Relief, Lauren Lee, she wrote this quote recently, and I, I keep sharing it with people. All right, Lauren. Yeah, I keep sharing it with people. She said, New York City Relief is combating relationship starvation for folks facing homelessness. That's a great way to say it. Have you ever even heard that concept before? No. No. That's powerful. I didn't even realize she'd written that. Yeah, she said, okay, New York City Relief is combating relationship starvation for folks facing homelessness. Men, women, and children living in the streets, shelters, and even subways are deprived deprived Mm -hmm. of meaningful relationships, and it affects every part of their lives. She said a lot of our homeless friends have a hard time experiencing hope for their lives. As outreach leaders, we provide meaningful conversations, develop deep relationships, and strive to bring relief to our neighbors struggling in homelessness. When I read that, I was like, she cut right to the heart of it. This is what it's all about, is loving people. Because, you know, the, the general public looks at people who've been in prison or they've been addicted, and they're like, they're no good, they can't change, they don't want to change, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not true. The fact is we have to look through because we compare them to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We go, well, I, you know, obviously, you know, I worked hard. I went to school. I was responsible. Obviously, they're none of those things. They don't care about school. They don't care about being responsible, blah, blah, blah. They paint a picture that is uh, almost completely fabricated. The right. truth is we have to look through all that and say, no, they didn't grow up like me. Their mom was beating them every day, yeah. treating them like garbage, like they had to flee from home. And now they're, they're emotionally, psychologically damaged and mm. they're, they're acting out of that stuff that happened and the gap that's there where they weren't loved the way they should have been by their mother or father. Right. And they're just damaged goods. Can they be healed? Of course they can. That's the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth is yeah. restoration, right? Absolutely. Restoration, reconciliation to the father. Mm. And uh, there's a special place you know, in our father's heart for the fatherless. Yeah. And, um, you know, the backstory is so important. Um, 
Ken Berkey, my former pastor, he told me that. He said, hmm. he said I love, you know, I, I'd showed him a video from New York City Relief, and he said, I love this video because it shows her backstory. Yeah. And it was one of the testimonies um, that we'd had um, recorded. And, um, you know, it reminds me, too, of a conversation I had with a woman just last week. And uh, horrible things happened to her in her upbringing. And mm. um, so brace yourselves because I'll talk just a little bit about it. But um, it was, in, in fact, I was amazed at all that she had overcome mm. upon sitting with me. She came to me um, talking about um, a detox program. And once I sat with her, I could see that she felt ashamed, you know, because she had been clean for 18 years. And mm. I was I was pretty amazed. I'm, you know, I, I actually kind of focused on that that's and encouraged her. I'm yeah. like, 18 years, I said, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, you can do this, you can beat this, you can fight this battle. Right. You know, you've done it before, you can do this again. And one of the things that had triggered her was just, was loss. You know, she, in the last year, lost her husband. Um, he died from complications related to diabetes. Mm -hmm. And they had been in the shelter for six years prior. They had just finally got an apartment, wow. got out of the shelter, and within a month, he died. And she felt so bad, she felt, I think, kind of guilty about that because she said, you know, he didn't even get to enjoy the apartment. Right. You know, the fact that we have this. And um, she said, you know, and she thought again then, and she said, but I think maybe he, I think maybe that was like the milestone that he was looking forward to was to get me out of the shelter. Mm. And then he kind of just like, you know, he kind of felt like he was a place where he could sort of give up now. Like, okay, I did this, I achieved this. But when she told me more, you know, after we sat down, um, she began to tell me about her childhood, you know, so relating to, you know, factors of addiction yeah. um, and, and the things that bind people to the streets and to this lifestyle that seems so impossible to others that might be looking in from the outside, because like you said, they related to themselves. They're like, well, I, you know, I did this. I took initiative. I, you know, right. I, I pounded the pavement. I got a job. I did all this stuff. I came up from wherever, you know, but for this woman I was speaking to, um, the first time she was sexually assaulted, age 14, mm. you know, and then again at age 16. And I remember her telling me one of those times, I think at age 14, she said, she said, and I was stupid. And she blames herself in a way, you know, or at least that's the, that's the wording of it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. She's not to blame, but she says it was stupid because all because I smoked marijuana. And I don't remember exactly the circumstances, but she blames herself for getting involved or, or uh, being with somebody trying marijuana at that time at age 14 yeah. and she believes that that led to the series of events that was that ultimately was you know the sexual assault so she was she was raped at 14 age 16 mm -hmm. it happened again age 19 it happened but this time it was it was multiple assailants you know um and at the same time wow. and not only that from the time she was 16 up until age 22 she was being sexually assaulted by um, her grandmother's husband, who, when she came out with it to her mother, um, finally, uh, mm -hmm. when she, when she got old enough at, at 22, she right. finally told him, stop, this isn't happening anymore. Yeah. And she got the courage to tell her mother about this. And her mother broke down in tears and said, he's been doing it to me too. Wow. I mean, what a terrible thing, you know, all this stuff. And then, um, mm. and there was other loss, you know, right. she lost, a, a brother, to a horrible accident, um, she lost a nephew, all these things, like these chains of, of events in people's lives. I, I mean, I can't imagine 
I can't. I mean, I just think of that horror and what it, what if right. that happened to me? What would have that have done to my heart? Right. Would I have used drugs? I applauded her for being as courageous as yeah. she was, uh, despite all of that, you know, and she still managed to get clean and stay that way for 18 years, you know, and it was only the loss of her husband again, just having to go through that tragedy that right. caused her to make a decision, you know, to fall off the wagon, so to speak. Well, I think that's so cool that obviously you made a safe place for her so she could share that. That's a very sensitive thing. Right. And Especially then, someone who's had so much abuse, even at the hands of men. men right. Uh, this is only something that, that the Holy Spirit can do in, yeah. in me, in, involving me and, in this. And then you were able to help her and encourage her yes. that she can be clean again. That's right. You know, we prayed, there was tears. I mm. mean, the Lord was moving and, um, there were some practical resources as well, but, mm. uh, yeah, just heartbreaking. You know, Jean Vanier, one of my heroes, uh, a guy who, awesome guy. Yeah. started homes for those who are, you know, mentally and emotionally challenged all over the world. He said, love makes us weak and vulnerable because it breaks down the barriers and protective armor we have built around ourselves. Love means letting others reach us and becoming sensitive enough to reach them. It's like, that's why we have to become excellent. We have to risk our hearts. We have to risk hurting because hearing that story, it hurts my heart. It hurts your heart. It does hurt. And, but it's worth it, Yeah. you know, because then she knows someone cares. God cares. Right. And you guys care. And I'm not alone, you know? Right. So powerful. That's like the, that's the opposite of intimacy is being alone. You know, yeah. he's being so intimacy is being really close to somebody. I love that our friends on the street feel that they can share these kinds of things, you know, um, like you said, a safe place. And so that's that's remarkable um, that by stepping out and really just listening to the call yeah. that the Lord has placed on our lives, that we can actually create that intimacy. And if we were to take ourselves you know, kind of out of that situation and try to process it of our own, of, of the power of our own minds, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be able to exactly figure out how can we go do this? You know, I think it would be almost a point of anxiety. How, you know, if somebody were to say, well, this is what, this is what, this is what happens on the streets, right? You know, if I wasn't allowing God and opening up to him to allow him to trigger this intimacy within me, yeah. you see what I mean? If I had to process this with my natural mind, I wouldn't be able to figure out how to go about doing this. You see what I mean? This I, is something the Lord does. Yeah, and I've I've been even learning this with my own family because I, now I'm close to my own family, right. but I want to be closer. So it's not all about strangers and people on the streets. It's like I think about my own. I have one son left at home. Okay, he you know he's a junior in high school. Everybody else has graduated, and I I I think this is my time to be close. God, what do I do? to be close to him. You know what I mean? How do Mm -hmm. I, so that he knows for the rest of his life, dad is there for me. Dad cares about me. Dad's behind me, you know, because it's one thing to say it, but how do I show him? And so one of the ways um, God's helped me over the last couple of years to be intimate with my own kids is when I do something wrong, I, I, I basically admit it. I, I apologize and I'm like, I blew it so that they, when I, let down my guard, let down my armor, you know, and say, dad makes mistakes too. They feel so close to me 
And I'm, I feel it. I'm like, wow, I'm so glad. And that gives them permission to not be perfect, to make mistakes. And no, that's what men do. That's what women do. That's what people do. It's okay. Right. In, in this family, it's safe to make mistakes. We take care of each other. Mm-hmm. We own up to it. We grow. It's fine. That's life, you yeah. know. And so I feel like, wow, thanks, God. You know, it's like I'm still learning these little like key things like another one again with my kids is I ask them for their opinion on things. Now that's the opposite of the normal parent child um, dynamic, right? Right. We're always ready to give our opinions. I'm here to tell you how to do things. Now sit down. Let me give you a long speech on my opinion and what I know and you don't know. Yeah. Okay. We do that. Right. We teach our kids, but at the older they get, the more, you know, they're going to push away from us as they want to become independent and an adult. And I want to be my own person unless we learn how to flip the script and be like, let me ask your opinion on this thing I'm thinking about doing. What do you think about this? They on, they feel honored. They feel dig- and valued. Yeah. And like dignity, like, whoa, my dad doesn't see me as a dumb kid. My dad thinks what I, right. what I say matters. Like he, he respects my opinion. What a crazy thing. And I've, I've, I keep trying to remind myself to keep doing this and make it a habit because when I've done it, it's like we feel so close. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's what we do on the streets too. We, Brett Hartford has taught me a lot about this because he's written about it, mm. how he'll ask someone who's, they've got no dignity left maybe. They feel so ashamed of themselves. And so if he finds out, let's say they're a dad, you know, and he, He's like, well, they're probably separated from their children. They're out in the street. Things probably went wrong and all that. But let me ask him for advice on how to raise my daughters. What's one thing that he really knows, you know, works well if you're trying to raise your daughter? And, you know, I write about this in the book. I I write the literal article. I I put it in there because it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Because Brett asks, you know, could you advise me? Can you help me? He flips the script. Jesus did the same thing at the woman at the well. He came and instead, instead of telling the woman at the well, you should repent, you're, you're a sinner, you're, right. you're messed up, you're no good, you're sleeping around. He said this. Yeah. And treating her the way that the culture treated right. her, which is what she expected. Instead of that, he said, can you help me? I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? I can't draw water from the well. Could you do it for me? I mean, because he was trying to, go deep. He was trying to come close to her. He loved her. And now he did go into, here's your story, but she didn't feel condemned by this story. That's right. If she, if she had felt condemned, she wouldn't have wanted to tell everybody (laughs) that, you know, come see this man who told me everything I ever did. I mean, who wants to say that? Yeah, he knows I've been sleeping (laughs) around. I've been a, you know, loose woman. He tells, she tells the whole town, come out and see this man, Jesus, who loves me. Amazing. I think that's that's a good example of the truth in love, mm-hmm. which, you know, we talked about that a little bit during our last podcast. Yeah. But, you know, that can be sort of a confusing thing to think about. How do I speak the truth in love? Yeah. You know? But Jesus sets a great example right there. So that's, mm. a, that's a great point, you know. So part of that is uh, allowing the other person to feel valued when they're expecting, especially something mm-hmm. entirely different because that's what the world around them is showing them, right? Yeah. You know? You're no good. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. Speak the truth in love is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it sums up. It solves so many problems and just 
It's like a guiding light in almost every situation in life, especially the hard ones. Uh, uh oh, conflict. Uh oh, trouble. Uh oh, problems. Oh, I made a mistake. What I, I blew. It. What they blew it. I'm mad. I'm hurt. You know. What do you do? It's real simple, but it's real hard. Speak the truth in love. There's a lot of people speaking the truth, but with a fist and a hammer. Yeah. You did this. <clears throat> they're you know? using it judgmentally. Right. To right. Co- you know. Well, they'll Condes- give the truth, but they're not able to bring love. Like, well, this happened, but I forgive you. You know. Yeah. Or the opposite. There's people just saying, well, I just love you. Everything's fine. Everything's good. But it's, it's kind of, it can be kind of fake because it's not willing to go speak the truth. Like, Hey, I see there's something wrong here between us and we need to talk about it instead of denial. It's like, that's the power of love is when we we're willing to tackle the tough things. Yeah. And of course, if you're speaking the truth and love to somebody, you know, you're actually inviting reciprocity too. So in other words, you're, you're giving them permission in a way. Yeah. to speak the truth to you in love as well. Yeah. So this might be unpleasant, mm-hmm. right? But a great example of intimacy, you know, yeah. as we've been talking about in the transparency, you know, and, you know, let that love certainly prevail in that situation. But you can really find out a lot about what experiences you've been creating for this other person, mm-hmm. you know, as well as telling them what experiences they've been creating for you. Yeah. Great way to break down those walls. Yeah, because it's like Lauren said, it's not just people who are struggling with homelessness. There's many people living next door at our office, where we work, um, the schools where we go. Uh, they're, They're starving, starving for relationship. And they just need a friend. They don't need a somebody to preach at them and 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 give them a lecture. They need a friend. And if they have a friend, that they feel safe with, well, then we can talk about the real things of life. Like I'm challenged. And I think Christians get it wrong in that, Oh, I need to drag them to church. I need to tell them a lot of verses. Like I need, it's like we want to come out both barrels a blazing. Oh, I got to tell them everything about Jesus. You know, well, how about just ask them about their life first, get to know them, Mm -hmm. um, uh, with, with no strings attached, you know, not trying to get them saved, just love them the way they are praying, hoping there's a door to shine a light, yep. love them, be Jesus to them, but really having the patience to be like, I'm going to just love you just the way you are right now. And, you know, if God opens a door to share Christ, to sh- pray, whatever, but I'm just going to learn how to be your friend. Yeah, I'm practicing that right now with some people in my life. I just, they don't know the Lord, but I'm just like, God, show me how to be a good friend. And even recently, I, I've, I've been praying about this one person who I really like a lot. They're awesome, but I know they don't know the Lord. Right. And so I'm, I've been asking God, what do I do? So I don't feel weird or look weird or it gets into this religious thing. You know, I just, and then they start seeing me as like, Oh, he's better than me or just a Uh, weird thing. Like, how do I, how do I be a good friend basically? And I feel like the Lord has been showing me like, you need to ask them, for their opinion, for their advice to help you Hmm. make yourself vulnerable by saying, I need your help, Wow! but not fake it. I'm not talking about, you know, Oh, I got this trick strategy. Yeah. No, there's areas I actually do need help with. You know what I mean? And I I need to learn. And so I can ask them that, like, can you give me advice? Like in this area? 
And so I'm looking forward to doing this because I haven't even done this yet, but I'm like, okay, I want to be close to this guy. I just think he's the best and I want him to know God, but I don't want, how do I approach that? And I feel like this is what the Lord's been showing me how to do. I think that's brilliant. I mean, and like you said, not as a formula or a strategy, you know, but, but, um, you know, you've sought out, um, something, you know, where you're looking to recognize, um, the value in this individual. Yeah. And people are going to get that, that you genuinely it's real. see them as valuable, right. you know. And so it's not just, you know, you're not just uh, lip service, as they yeah, say. Yeah, not schmoozing them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you li- you've literally chosen to look for value somewhere. Yeah. And then you've said, hey, you know, you've opened yourself up to say, how can this help me? I mean, what a, what a great way, you know, to unlock the door mm. to hearts, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm provoked to do it. That's why I wrote the book. Honestly, it's real. I mean, this book is just my heart. I want to change. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be closer to people. I don't know how. I'm not good at it, but I I, want to give it my best shot. And I feel like I'm growing. I am learning. And um, definitely working at New York City Relief has helped me a lot. And, And also just, and not just with people who are on the streets, people like you that I work with, that I, I, I learn from, you know, people like you and Josiah and Brett and Cloudy yeah. and all these people. I'm like, man, they're so good at loving people. I want to be like that, honestly. <laughs> and I'm like, it's inspiring. Yeah. It's yeah. like, I can do that. I can grow. Way. I really can grow to be more like Teresa or, you know, whoever, right? Yeah. It's just. Speaking of Teresa, yeah. there was a story that, uh-huh. I, that I remembered a few minutes ago. Um, and I wanted to just, I wanted to talk about it. Um, there, there was a gentleman that we see in Harlem mm-hmm. and most of the time that I had had encountered him previously, he, um, he, he would still come to the bus, but he would come to argue with somebody and, <laughs> and praise the Lord. Yeah. And he wanted to, glad he, he's here. <laughs> now we can argue. Yep. <laughs> and that was his desire was to like poke holes in, yeah. in, in the structure of our faith, you uh-huh. know, or, or I should say probably the structure that he perceived yeah. our our faith to be our belief system sure. you know sure and so he wanted to challenge that and he wanted somebody to debate with him and I had heard people talking about him before I actually met him and had this conversation <laughs> so his reputation preceded him right yeah yeah but looking forward a little bit so what happened is is um, I had this conversation with him and we kind of we actually left on a good note for whatever reason he was pleased with what I had to say and I don't remember what that was. Again, I think that's just the Holy Spirit that yeah. sometimes just gives us the right answer. In fact, right. all the time the Holy Spirit will give you the right answer, you know, if you're opening up to Him that way. Um, but whatever it was, it it didn't serve to you know kind of like feed into his mentality. You didn't, you didn't get him more riled up. Yeah, and it didn't angry. get him more riled up. You created peace. It, yeah, peace exactly, and it, and it was it was a, it was a peaceful. Um, parting that day and then another couple weeks went by I didn't see him and mm-hmm. suddenly he came along and he said you know he said hey he said I was looking for you guys like you know I didn't see you last actually he said me he was looking for me he's like yeah. I didn't see you last week you know and he said I gotta let you know that I just kind of thought all of this was you know just a bunch of whatever you know I didn't really believe any of this Christian stuff right you know and he said, but you know what? He said, a few weeks back, like I filled out a, a sheet of paper with somebody, you know, mm-hmm. with the bus. And I, I talked to them about something and they, you know, they gave me some information. 
you know, and he's like, and then a few days ago, I was walking along and my phone was ringing and I looked down at my phone and I didn't recognize the number of the phone. And I kind of wondered and I thought like, uh, I don't know what this is. Maybe this is like a, um, what do you call it? Like a the, sales call. Yeah. Or sales, sales call. I think that's exactly what he said. Huh. Sales call, something like that. And he goes, but something said, he's like, some, he's like, something told me I, maybe I should answer it just in mm-hmm. case. And he said, so I picked it up and I answered it and it was somebody from your organization. And they were asking me like, how are you doing today? Like, you know, how are things going with this? And they wanted to talk about like, if I needed any more information or anything, had questions. And mm. what it was, was it, it was a member of our follow-up care team calling back to ask him how he was doing with the information yeah. that we had given him during the previous meeting when he had requested some help, yeah. you know? And the funny thing about it is that one thing was like overwhelmingly convincing to him that we were genuine. Hmm. And he went on to tell me, he was like, yeah, I just thought you guys were kind of like this and that and the other. But he's like, I realize that you really care. <laughs> he's like, and so now, you know, he's walking around looking for me. And by the time we finished that conversation, he was, you know, he was like excited. He was like smiling. He was like, I'm going to be looking for you next week, looking yeah. for you. <laughs> you know, he's telling that's me. Awesome. And I just thought, wow, you know, that's amazing uh, just how that worked out. And just, I mean, that follow-up call was such a big deal to him. You never know when that's going to be, you know, what's going to really strike that chord with somebody, you know? It's so cool because, you know, in the past, we didn't even have follow-up care, right? We right. didn't have the capacity. We didn't have the staff. And it's only in the last couple of years, we, Teresa came on as our first person and then several other on the team yeah. to do follow-up care. And it's been amazing, man. It's been one of the most powerful things that's ever happened in the organization. Yeah. You, you just... Nobody could have said it better and explained it better than what you just said. Someone who was opposed to us, right. who wanted to come and fight and argue, and they didn't believe we really cared. We're just out trying to maybe slumming, you know, trying to make ourselves feel good, pat yeah. ourselves in the back. I think he had that argument, that very argument, like right, and just but, doing good to make yourself feel good. But when he, but because the way you treated him, number one, and because of the person who followed up, number two, who had the same heart that actually cared yeah. about him, it's like, hey, wait a second. Yeah, something they, opened up for him. Like, wait a God second. Used that. These people actually care about now. Yeah. Probably he had had a lot of people who didn't care about him, hurt him. And you know what I mean? And so he came to yeah. us with that. But now he's like, wait right. a second. Ready, ready to prove how fake all this is. Right. You know? Maybe this thing is real. Yeah. I mean, this so cool. Um, you know what I have learned along the way? I used to be easily baited. When people wanted to argue and be confrontational, oh, no, well, let me tell you why you're wrong, and I'll tell you what the Bible says, and what I believe is true, and I just get into it. Yeah. Um, That's not speaking the truth in love. I thought it was, because you're standing up for what's right. Right. Okay? It was adversarial. That yeah. that's that's not how it works. What I've learned it and, and I would get into it. The some love guy, element falls Some guy to the almost wayside. beat me up once when I was I was very young, back yeah. I was in Bible school with you. I was 18. I was out on the streets. I was witnessing, telling people about Jesus, which was a good thing. Mm -hmm. But this one guy was argumentative and he's like, no, I don't believe it. No. And I just kept, I kept getting louder and stronger. And the guy was getting so riled up. He almost was going to hit me. And then (laughs) out of nowhere, some guy who I don't know, he swept in a Christian person. He put his arms around both of us and he went, Hey guys, let's talk. And he, the guy and he walked away with them 
and he loved him and he, he was peaceful and kind and generous. And I was like, wow, what, <laughs> what just, just happened? It just went from almost a riot between the two of us to this guy is a peacemaker. I took note. I was foolish. Blessed I was immature. I, I recognized it and I was like, aha, dummy, what am I doing? And I was like, I see God. I'm, I, I just learned something there. Yeah. And so now what I do, if someone's adversarial and they're like, well, I'm an atheist and this is why, or I'm Muslim or whatever. I'm like, oh, really? Tell me about it. Yeah. Why, why is that meaningful to you? I, yeah, I'd what like do to you believe. I'd yeah. like to learn. Share with me. And honestly, I'm not doing it as a trick. I'm like, let's, let's get to know each other. You know, if that really means something to you and you know what, if you want to pray, how about you pray for me? You pray to Allah, I'll pray to God, whatever. It honors them. You know, like what, who, what you are, who you are, what you think that has value to me. I respect it. I don't agree with it, but I respect you as a person. And I think you're a smart person. I think what you say has value and worth and I should listen to what you have to say. But there's a step forward in that process into intimacy, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and that lets love in and love, God is love, right? So it begins to shine. The light begins to shine. Yeah. And the darkness cannot stand up against it. Love covers a multitude of sin, including mine, by the way. And I think it, it, yeah, (laughs) thank God for that. Yeah. And it enables, you know, it enables the Holy Spirit to begin to work in a person's life, you know, Mm. because, because you facilitated them opening a door to their heart yeah and jesus was lifted up and we don't always know what happens after that kind of a conversation but some of the people that are that are most you know that they have kind of like the most heavily fortified walls you know um that kind of an attitude can begin to to put cracks into that wall yeah you know it can really begin to break down that barrier and we don't always know what happens after but the holy spirit now there's like the Holy Spirit can bring some conviction, you know, because people think about those things. Yeah. Like you treated them differently than they're used to from anybody. You treat right. especially from a Christian, right? Yeah. You know, they have, I mean, the world is full of their dogmatic stereotypes and beliefs about who we are as believers in Christ, as yeah. Christians, you yeah. know, and it's we like, get to go change that <laughs> you know, by it's actually funny. bringing the presence of Jesus. It reminds me of, I know you guys on the outreach team are trained in de-escalation because sometimes people are riled up. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, we were yeah. talking about argumentative. I mean, rile up, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're high, they're angry. They, have, you know, something terrible just happened to them. <laughs> that was <laughs> and, my last sip. Yeah. And I feel like speaking the truth in love and becoming intimate, all this, it, it's like, it is de-escalation. It's bringing it from something that's damaged and dark and it's terrible to it lets all the air out of the balloon. And I, I care about you just the way you are right now. You, you know, it's real. And, um, it's, it's like love conquers all, you know what I mean? And, uh, it just works. We see it work day after day. It, it really works. And so whoever wrote that article in the New York Post that I read, like, you're wrong. <laughs> love can transform 100% right. of the homeless population because love works, period. You know, and uh, love and love isn't just good feelings like, oh, they're there or here's a prayer. It's 
getting them a shelter. It's getting them help with addiction or mental illness. It, it's feeding them. It's caring about them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It's all of that. And if they're not ready for one of those things, we'll help them. The, we'll love them in a, the other way. Like if they'll accept yeah. a cup of soup. A woman told me this one day. I said, how's the soup? We were, we we're in Harlem. Mm-hmm. She said this, and I quote, it tastes like love. <laughs> and I was that just. the best flavor ever. Uh, I mean, I, that, I'll never forget that. Cause she meant it. And I was like, wow, this is working. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Cause that's the way it is. That's why I want to serve soup. It's not just soup. <laughs> We're serving literal love, the, the best flavor ever. Like you said, Ben and Jerry's flavor <laughs> near you. Well, you know what, Craig, I feel like, first. I feel like this has been the best episode ever, ever. <laughs> I really like this one. We just hit a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, some, some stuff that was in the book, a lot of stuff that wasn't, but, um, it's really cool. So thanks for doing this with me. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So we're, that's it for episode three or episode four. Actually it's chapter Chapter three, three, chapter three. So look out next, next week we're going to be on episode, uh, four, uh, chapter four. I don't know. Anyway, chapter four, (laughs) episode five, doesn't matter what the numbers are. We're just going to talk some more star Wars. Yeah, really all the episodes and prequels and sequels. I mean, I understand it, but yes, I understand the layman out there. Yes. May find it (laughs) discombobulating. Yeah. So stay tuned. We're releasing one episode a week leading up to the book being released and and sharing it with the world. So I'm excited about that. Exciting. Yeah. But You know, who cares about the book? I'm just glad to <laughs> hang out with you for a while and drink coffee. It's awesome. And tell stories. And thank you for the coffee. Oh, well, it's a, you know, my, one of my favorite things in life. It was a splendid cup of coffee. You know, you, you know, when you have to write down, like, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite food? I always put when it says food, coffee. <laughs> I'm not sure coffee is up. Because if food didn't exist, you could live. Yeah. And I, yeah. But if we caught coffee, I don't <laughs> think I could live. And did you know, literally... I was reading Uncle John's Bathroom Reader, one of my favorite books. There's a whole series of them. And it says coffee is technically bean juice. Well, there you go. That makes me pretty happy. I'm like, hey, consider me, you know. Beans are healthy, right? Right. You know. Okay, I understand. Maybe this is a a category unto itself. Right. uh, But I'm like. we We could go with the simplified explanation and feel good about. Makes me feel good about it. Yeah, our copious amounts of coffee consumption. Well, thanks God for the coffee. (laughs) If you want to be closer to God, have a cup of coffee. Thank you, God. Thank you. (laughs) Before you read your Bible, have a cup of coffee. I'm telling you, you'll have a much better Bible reading time. Yeah. Before you have your prayer time, have a cup of coffee. (laughs) Before you go to church, want to enjoy that service more? Have a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Want to hang out with your buddy, do a podcast? Have a cup of coffee. If your church does not serve coffee, you need to bring this before the leadership. Yes, immediately. Yes, make a proposal to the elders. We need coffee. Cannot be understated the amount of spiritual enlightenment. Jesus had wine. Be facilitated. I have coffee. That's the way I see it. I don't drink wine, but I enjoy coffee. But today, today he would have made a cup of coffee in that scenario, I think. He may have. And they would have been like, this is the best coffee ever. This is better than my Starbucks or my Pete's coffee or whatever your favorite yes. coffee shop Bustello. is. Yeah, Bustello. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jesus. this has been fun. And I, I like I just like hanging out. So thanks, listener, for listening to us. 
you know, I hope this has helped your drive time or whatever time you listen to podcasts, maybe on the treadmill right now, sweating. Maybe this helped you forget how much you're sweating and how much pain. Yes. In the exertion. Yes. Maybe maybe it's helped you in some way. I don't know. Maybe it's just amusing you. (laughs) What am I to you? A clown? (laughs) Sorry. I threw that in there. Quotes. I'm laughing. (laughs) More on the inside. Inside than the outside. More on the inside. All right, that's probably enough. (laughs) Signing off, Juan Galloway. And Alec Goebel. See you next time on Provoked. Next time. Goodbye.